God is good. Amen. Hey, turn to somebody in, in, in COVID. Don't, don't, don't touch them, but just say, you look good today. Or just be like awkward. I like your mask. And it's like, okay, it's from the hospital. And if it was from the hospital, you shouldn't be here. Not unless you're a nurse or a doctor. Heather, you're the only one. Okay. Man, what a great time to be at church. I love Sundays. I love coming um, because I know that Sundays help me stir up some passion, stir up some uh, fuel for me to dive deeper into the Word of God. And so today, we're in this collection of talks, and uh, Pastor, we're, we're talking about apologetics. And apologetics just means giving a reason for your faith, giving a good reason for your faith. And so last week, Pastor Brent uh, talked to us about the Scripture and the Word of God and its validity. And, and uh, man, it was, it was so impactful for, uh, on me because there's things that I'm like, man, I, I've been in church a long time. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's interesting. And um, all, all, the, all the different facts about people dying and, 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 and giving up their lives for, for this Word of God and, and how much passion and, and, and belief they must have had, how much faith they must have had to, to give up a life, give up their life. So that way we today sit in the room able to read a word from God. So today we're going to be talking, I want to talk to you about um, this idea, is Jesus the only way to God? I want to talk to you about that because we've all been in conversations and situations, right, where it's like, well, is, is Jesus really the only way? Or did Jesus really say that he's the only way to God? And I want to dissect that. But have you ever been in a situation, how many of you guys have ever been, anybody been like mountain climbing? Anybody like just Enchanted Rock at least? You went to Enchanted Rock and it wasn't really a mountain, it was like a hill. Uh, anybody been skiing and been to the top of the mountain? Okay, a few people been skiing. Well, if you haven't been in doing any of that, you need to get out. You need to get out more and go do something. But uh, let, me, let me just give you permission. Schedule it right now in the middle of this message. Just schedule yourself a trip to Colorado or somewhere and uh, climb a mountain. But if you've ever been rock or mountain, uh, rock, rocky mountain climbing, or rock climbing, or going up a mountain, or mountain climbing, or going to a, a ski resort, or whatever, what you, what you find is, is there are many trails, right? And there's this whole argument sometimes that there's, there's these many trails that lead up to the top. But if you've ever been Rocky Mountain climbing, there was one time, um, we, me and Pastor Brent, and I've told this story a couple times, but we are... Uh, he rented snowmobiles. We went for a bro trip, just me and him. And um, he rented some snowmobiles. And the instructor said, do not go off the path because you do not have the snowmobile rated for off-road snowmobiling. And so the only, re the only time I take risk in my life is when I'm with Pastor Brent because I would never do that. I, I'm just like, he said, don't go off the path. We can't go off the path. Well, Pastor Brent, guess what? He turns down a path. That is not the path. And dec decides to make his own path. Well, guess what? we got extremely lost. We found ourselves about five, I, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but three to five miles, roughly, off the path. And there's this snowboarder that comes by on his off-road rated snowmobile because we got stuck. And he's like, what are you guys doing out here? This is dangerous. And we're like, uh, I'm like freaking out. By when, he, when, when, when that guy says it's dangerous, and he's, then, then I start freaking out because my snowmobile's stuck, sun's going down, cell reception is spotty. And I'm cold, you know, it's like, so I start freaking out and he's like, what are you guys doing out here? And how many times in life have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just followed something blindly you thought you could trust? And you find yourself in a place where like, how did I get here? How did I end up here? Right? It's the same way that I'll give you this example about, um, about this whole idea is there are many paths to God. 
Well, when people give you me that argument, how many of you know that from the base, can you see all the, all the paths when you're on the bottom of the mountain? Can you see all the paths that go to the top? No, all you see is trees and you see like the start of the path and you see a few paths, but you don't see all the paths. So when somebody says, is there many paths to God? Your answer should be, no, there's, there's, one, there's only one path. And why is that? Because who's at, who, where do you have to be to see all the paths? You have to be at the top of the mountain to be able to look down and see, oh, there's, this is how you get to the top. And see, who's the only person? Who's at the top of the, the summit? God. So who is the only deity, the only uh, person that can tell us how to get to the top? God. Right? So when you get asked that question, who, who is placing themselves as God when they say, well, there's many paths to God? We are. We're trying to tell people there are many paths to God. No, no, no. God didn't say that. God said there's one way. Because he's at the top. He's the only one that can make that truth claim. And we're going to look at that today. I want to dive into that. But there's only one path, and that's Jesus. And we have to be okay with saying that. We have to be okay with saying that. Because God is the only one that can make that claim, and he does it in his word, in scripture. So we're going to talk about that. So um, I want to talk to you um, about this, this dilemma that I have with our culture. It's like we want to have a good answer, and that's what apologetics is all about. We want to have a good answer. We want to be able to share our faith with somebody and have a good answer to give them. So number one, is, is Jesus the only way? That's the question. Number one, Jesus claimed he was and is God. And see, in John 8, 58, he says this, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. What does that mean? Jesus knew who he was talking to. He was talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the Jewish leaders of this time. And he knew who he was talking to. And he's telling them because they know Scripture. Pharisees know Scripture. They know all the Old Testament when Jesus is with them. He's saying, yeah, yeah, you know that I, I, I had this conversation with Exodus, with Abraham in Exodus. You know that because you know the Scripture. And he says, before, before Abraham was born, I am. He's placing, he's making a truth claim about his divinity being God. Because you know what they did right after he made that statement? If you look up what the next verse says in 59, it says they went to pick up stones because they were about to stone him. Because blasphemy is punishable by death. When you make a statement, imagine if I walk into this room today and I said, hey guys, by the way, I'm God. You'd be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, take this guy to the mental you know, hospital. That's what you would say. And that's what Jesus did in this moment. He made a truth claim because they've been pressing him. He made a truth claim and he knew he was speaking to. And he, he was saying, before Abraham was born, I am. He made a statement. This is the first time we hear Jesus make this statement of oh, his divinity in John. See, in John 10, 24 through 30, the Jews, it says this, the Jews who were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. It's another truth claim he's, he's making. I and the Father 
are one, and he's talking about sheep. I love that God refers to us as sheep. Anybody know how dumb sheep are? <laughs> Pretty dumb, we're going to talk about it, but it's funny, it's, and it's not because we are logically dumb. Spiritually, sometimes we are just dumb. We make the same mistakes over and over and over. But Jesus claims to be the good shepherd. We're going to talk about that in a second, but... My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand and I and the father are one. Jesus continues to make these truth claims there. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do not know him or you know him and you have seen him. Jesus, please tell us, are you the Messiah? This right here is, 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 is also a revelation to us because before, the, before this, people had this idea, and some of us even to this day, God, he's so mean, he's wrathful, and he's vengeance. But if we look at Jesus' life, what is he saying? If you've seen me, you've seen him. What did I do? Well, everybody knows about Jesus loving on children, telling stories, healing people, being compassionate, empathy, raising people from the dead. That's who Jesus was. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so if you have this, uh, this, this perspective that God is all wrath and wanting to condemn you and send you to hell because of your sin, you, gotta, you don't know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So go here from now on. Don't give me the excuse anymore that you don't know who the Father is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he says. So we have to embrace this idea as Christians that he is the only way. He said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We have to be able to say that and be confident in that. Because every other religion in the world, there's been prophets, there's been uh, people that have been enlightened. If you ask a Buddhist, they'll be very, they'll be very persistent. No, no, no. Buddha, Buddha is the one that was enlightened, given the revelation. And they'll be very insistent. But then if you ask them, well, did it have to be Buddha? They'll say, well, it could have been anybody, but, but Buddha is the one that gets, they'll be very insistent it had to be Buddha, but they'll say, well, it could be anybody. The same thing with Muhammad. Well, Muhammad, is he, is he the one? Yeah, yeah, no, no, Muhammad is the one. He got the revelation and he wrote it down. And they'll be very insistent on that. But if you ask him, it, well, did he have to be the one? They'll say, well, no, it could have been anybody, but he's the one that he's the one, right? But if you ask Christians, is Jesus, if you take Jesus out of the equation, no, 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 he has to be the one. Because he claimed to be Jesus. I mean, he claimed to be God. So when you remove him from it, you remove Christ out of Christian and all you're left with Ian. I-A-N and Ian can't save you. You have to have Christ in the middle of the equation. You can't remove him. He had to be the one. There was a sin problem. There was something we couldn't do for ourselves. There was something that in my own ability, I cannot get myself to God. Jesus Christ God himself had to pay a price on the cross. And through that shed blood of Jesus, man, we stand saved because of what he did. Specifically, Jesus. We're getting there. We're getting there. So we have to be confident in that. Jesus is the way. There is no path that I can do within myself. I cannot climb to heaven. I cannot do it in my own strength. I have to rely on Jesus. This morning, as I was driving to, to, to church here, I woke up a little anxious. 
because speaking is a little bit, you know, I don't know, it's a little challenging and scary sometimes, right? You might think, oh, you got it, Pastor Brian. No, this is a, this is a little bit scary sometimes. And um, I'm driving here this morning and I'm thanking God, not in my goodness. I'm going, God, I'm so thankful for you that you've given me the strength. I'm thankful that you've put a calling on my life. I, 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 I cast anxiety away. I have no fear. I'm standing in his goodness. Why? Because even myself, I tend, to, I tend to fail. But when I rest in his goodness and his strength and I call on his promises, man, I preached first service and I never felt better. And then pastor critiqued me and then I was like, okay. <laughs> No, I love his critique. I love your critique, Pastor. But yeah, it's, it's, there's confidence that comes from knowing that Jesus is my salvation. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. There's confidence that comes in that. So Jesus is the way. Jesus said you need something that can change the very nature of your existence. See, God, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good people. He didn't come to make you make all these right decisions. He didn't come just to, well, I want to follow this specific lifestyle because I think it's good. No, no, no. He came to take dead people and give them life. That's why Jesus came. And so, so if, you're, if you're not a Christian in the room and, and, and you've lived your life and you've observed some Christians, there are some Christians that have never encountered, and when I say Christians, I say that loosely, because they've never encountered the person of Jesus. And because they know a bunch of stuff, They've heard a bunch of stuff. They sat in a bunch of rooms like this, but yet they still don't know what the Word of God says. See, they don't, they've never encountered the person of Jesus, which causes your life to change. Amen. We're getting in there. It causes, when you meet the person of Jesus, your thoughts, your actions, your, your, your character over time starts to change and people start to go, that person is different. See, see, you're fooling yourself if you think that you've, because I've come to church and nothing has changed and you're still 20 years later, same things. You're fooling yourself. You, you need to have an encounter with Jesus. You need to come to an altar and leave it at the altar and let him make you new. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking to some people like, whoa, am I saved? No, no, no. If you've encountered Jesus, the very, the very conviction that you have that, man, I'm, I'm not who I should be, that is an indication that you've, been in, you've encountered Jesus. Ah, man, I'm not the person I should be. I've messed up here. God, please forgive me. That's an indication that you've encountered Jesus because what's happening? Your life is being changed. You're being transformed, and it's, it's sanctification. That's what's going on, and that's that whole process. But if you think that you've come in, and you have a bunch of rules and regulations, and if you can follow these perfectly, but yet you're not changing, and you're not, your heart's not uh, molded, and your heart's not compelled to go after lost people and sinners, like if, you're not, if God hasn't changed you, well, I, I, you can't lose what you never had. You can't lose what you never had counter the person of Jesus and he changes us see Jesus came to to the world to save sinners and he took everything to the cross all my bad deeds everything that I've ever done he's taken it my my, the gossip the ill things I've ever said the the bad deeds I've done he takes it all to the cross and that's that's what he's claimed to do and so I stand confidently in that and when I've encountered that many times in my life I've encountered that that grace and mercy when I come to this revelation of how sinful and dirty I am, how messed up I am, as I think, we all, I think we all find ourselves in places like that where it's just like, man, 
I'm not enough. Like, this is not, not, not who I want to be, right? I'm not who I should be. And that, 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 that conviction is you understanding that we're, there's more to life than just what I can do in myself. Like, I ha- there's got to be something else. And he calls me to a higher calling. He calls me to, 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 uh, to, to righteousness. I just got to keep on working on that. That conviction compels us. So what about people in other cultures? So how would God make himself known? Have you, anybody ever had that thought? Of like, well, what about people in China? What about people in Thailand and all these other countries that maybe have never heard Jesus' name? What do we, how do you respond? How do you give an answer? How do you respond to people that have those questions? Do you have a good, do you have a good response? And for me, I'm, I, I, like, I'm that personality type that I'm just like, man, I know God cares. I know he loves, but where, what does the Bible say about it? See, the, in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, it says this, God, the God who made the world and everything in, the, that, uh, and everything in it is the, Lord, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in, oh, sorry. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Who does he give? Does he give just Americans life and breath? He gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God knew where you were going to be, whether you were in America, China, Thailand, wherever you find yourself. God puts you there in this time in history. He's marked out the boundaries. He's not afraid of borders. He's going to intervene. He is going to reveal himself. God is more concerned about revealing himself to humanity than Brian Cadell in San Antonio, Texas. That's what the scripture is telling us. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in histories. You're here for a reason. You're here in this moment. You're here in 2020 for a reason. He's, he's, and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him to, and hopefully find him. Why did he do that? Why did he do it? So hopefully that we would reach out and find him. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of you of, of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So what, what is our answer? Now God's, God's got everyone. He's got the whole world. That old song. You're somebody want to sing it. We learned it in kids' church. So what do we do with this information? We understand that God's placed everyone in their in time, in their location. With a boundary set. He's not afraid of it. He, he did this so that they would reach out for him. So maybe they would possibly reach out for him. See, there's a story of a missionary that went to China. And um, the, first, the first week they were there, they, they got to Talman Square. I think it's called Talman Square. Talman Square. And there was a gentleman, Chinese, older Chinese gentleman walking by. 
And she felt like God was leading her to go talk to this man. Anybody ever been in a situation like that where you just felt like God was like, hey, do something, respond. I want you to go. Everybody feel that? Has anybody ever not done it? Yes, me. I'm going to say two hands up, right? Like a lot. (laughs) But um, I'm learning. So she felt like that. And um, she didn't go respond and she didn't go talk to this gentleman. She, she just couldn't get over it. She was tossing and turning and, and uh, through that whole trip. And she, she just, her prayer to God was, God, if I still have two weeks, two weeks from now, I'm going to go back on the same day at the same time. And God, if he's there, maybe it's his routine of taking a walk at this time. If he's there, God, I'm going to go talk to him. So two weeks later, she finds herself in Talman Square and she sees him. And she goes, I'm going to go talk to him. I go talk to him. Hey, sir, excuse me real quick. Um, do you speak English? Yes. Oh, well, oh can I, do you have a moment I can talk to you? Yeah, sure. She says, do you know why I'm here? He says, no. She goes, I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. The man broke down and started sobbing. And after he gathered himself, he said, thank you. You've just told me the name of the man I felt like I've known my whole life. How many of us, we sit here and we, we have these questions on like, well, how does God reach the world? Maybe there's people in China that don't know of Jesus. Do you think that man was saved before he knew the name of Jesus? Yes, he was. Why? Because he's been seeking truth. And I'm under this belief, and I, this is kind of, this is going to get into, this is, a, this is a personal belief, and there's, I believe it's found in the scripture, but there's, it's a personal belief that I believe that God judges us based on what we know, the, our, our knowledge that we have. It's why we say that our three and four-year-olds, it's like, do they, are they age of knowledge, do they know Jesus? Well, I don't know if they can comprehend all of that. But at some point that there's every child that will come into this knowledge and they'll have this revelation, I had it around nine, nine years old. I was in church, I knew it, but I had an encounter with Jesus around nine years old that there was this physical manifestation in my body that I couldn't tell you what happened. And I felt the presence of God. And I'm telling you, that rocks my world in, in a way that I, that I can stand up here confidently looking you in the face and saying, man, God, God, is, God is, when I say God is in this place, Jesus is in this place, I know he is. I've experienced it. He's moving. So, so, this man, this, this man in China, he's going, I've, I've, I've felt like I've known this. I've been praying to this man all my life, and I've never known his name. He's sobbing. He's weeping. So what do we do? There's this whole idea in the Bible about seeking. If you seek, you will find. We're going to read some scriptures like that. So I don't, I, me, as, me as an American Christian, it's my duty to, to go out once I have this truth of who Jesus is. It's my duty. Like, I should share about the good things that I know. If anybody have a restaurant, you tell everybody about that restaurant, Right? If you've ever been to somewhere in the world and it's so beautiful and so great, and you, t- you tell people about that place, right? Like that's just, it's natural for you. So once we find ourselves in, in this understanding that, okay, Jesus is the way, he says it in his scripture, so what do we do? How do how, what about all these other people? How do we answer those tough questions about people in China and all these other countries? Well, we look at the scripture and he says, God's put them there for a reason, and that if they're seekers of truth, he will reveal himself to them. In Deuteronomy 4. Uh, 29 it says this but if from there you uh, but if from there you seek the Lord your God you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul there's this idea that if you seek God with your heart and your soul no matter what culture no matter what environment you find yourself in he's going to reveal himself to you 
He will reveal himself to this person. I'm confident in that. We all, from the palace to the to the sidewalk, from the palace to the, to the, to the poverty-stricken areas of the world, this message of Jesus resonates. We all have this empty feeling that there's got to be more to life than this, than just what we see. And that's what Jesus is, is describing here. But also knowing that God, if, if he answers those who seek him, he also uh, likens, likens himself to a good shepherd. This is hilarious about sheep. Does anybody in the room have sheep? Because I just want to meet you. Anybody have sheep? Anybody in San Antonio have sheep? Okay. If sheep are not the, um, the, the evidence that points to the fact that God created everything, because how in the world have sheep lasted this long? <laughs> then I don't know what evidence you need. Because sheep are dumb. Okay? Sheep are so dumb. Okay. But here we go. There's a story about these sheep in Turkey. And um, these shepherds were taking a, a breakfast break. And the shepherds forsake the sheep for a moment to get a quick sheep bite to eat. Thank you. I'll be here all day. So they're eating breakfast and they go back and they find themselves that one sheep actually walked off the cliff and 1,600 sheep followed that sheep off the cliff. I'm here to tell you 1,100 survived because the 500, if that's the right math, 500 or 600 sheep broke their fall. Praise God. Sheep are dumb. Sheep, how many of you find yourself in situations where you, like sheep, have followed somebody and found yourself in a place or a situation that you're like, how did I end up here? Because you're sheep. Turn to somebody and say, you're sheep. I saw you laughing. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm a sheep. Okay. Sheep, and when I say dumb, I don't mean like logically dumb. What I mean is we oftentimes in life make the same mistakes over and over, especially spiritually. We make the same mistakes over and over and over. And what, is the, what does Jesus say? I'm the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? Let's read the scripture. Jesus, Jesus equates himself to be the good shepherd, which means we are sheep. John 10, 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am, a good, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. Did you hear that? I have other sheep. That's, this is getting exciting now. I have other sheep that do not even belong to this fold. That's Jesus. Oh, we're so concerned. What is, what is it? No, no, no. Jesus cares more than you care about the world. He cares more. He says in the scripture that he has sheep that don't even belong to his fold. He says, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. He's the good shepherd. I have power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. I've received this command from my father. Let me tell you a little bit more about sheep. When sheep go to drink, they're oftentimes find themselves on inclined banks because as water, you know, you know, there's, there's a bank that you have to get down and they're on four legs and they have to bend over or they're on their four legs and they're trying to slurp the water. Well, they find themselves on inclines. And if you're a shepherd, you know this because you can't just let the sheep go, to the, go wherever. 
Well, what happens is as, they, as the water soaks into their wool, their top half starts to get heavier, and guess what happens? They flip over and drown. Oh, sheep. Sheep are dumb. I'm going to read this next scripture, but Jesus equates himself as the good shepherd. He also talks in this next scripture we're going to read about how he's got a staff and a rod. How many of you know that the staff is there to pull you, to get you back in line, back in the fold? Like, hey, you're in danger. You're in the water. Let me grab that thing by the neck and pull it out. There's a scripture that says, his staff and rod comfort me. That only makes sense. Let me give you an example. This, this is how it makes sense to me. If you're in a dark road and, and you're in the middle of the night and you're walking down, you see somebody in the distance and they look like they could take you on. They look like they're dangerous. And you're like, what do I do? How many, how many like cross the street? Like anybody like me? Just, I'm just going to go over to the other side over here. <laughs> okay. I'm giving you my man card right now. I'm just going to the other side because I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, okay? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, yeah. So there's this guy walking down the street. And, and, but what, what if you see this other guy in the distance? And he's walking down the street with a rod and a staff. And if you know what the rod is, it's the rod the, sheep, uh, the shepherds actually put pieces of metal in that rod. And so it's like, it's like a club. It's like you're going to do some damage. But as that, these two people come closer to you, you see that, oh, that guy with the staff and the rod is my best friend. All of a sudden, the game has changed. You can start walking confidently into whatever you're about to face. Why? Because you know you have the comfort of a friend that has a rod and a staff. And so when the word tells us that his rod and staff comfort me, I'm telling you, you have a friend, you have a shepherd, a good shepherd that is watching watching your every move, move. And he says, if you seek me, you will find me. But also understand I'm a good shepherd and I go after the one. And so I'm pursuing every single one of you in this room. You're pursuing me. He's pursuing you. And he's only not too far off is what he says in Scripture. So when you face anything in life, whether it's a new job and, or maybe you, maybe you got some financial blessing, but you've ruined it and you can't contain everything and, and your life is feeling like you're in ruin or maybe, maybe your marriage is gone or maybe you're dealing with anxiety and, and all this stuff and you're facing all these battles and when you read that scripture, you're like, I don't know what that means. What that means is that your, your good shepherd is there to pull you out of your dangerous situation. He's also there with that rod to kind of correct you. The Bible tells us, man, God disciplines the one he loves. There's a season in my life I know God was disciplining me. I know it. Why? Because I came out of the other side better but more in love with him. So his rod and his staff, as a good shepherd, they comfort me. We serve a God who's a good shepherd. So how, how, how do we deal with this conversation of people in different cultures? Well, God is, God is a good shepherd. He's going after them. He's put them in there in their place. He's put them where they're at, their culture. And if they're seeking truth, they will find the truth. He's, he's taken that responsibility upon himself. And there are times that we will have opportunities like a missionary. There will be times that we'll have opportunities in our workplaces. There will be times that we'll have opportunities in our families, in our, wherever you find yourself, in your school, in, your, in the operating room, to the, to the, to the parent-teacher conference. You'll have opportunities to talk about the Good Shepherd. You'll have opportunities, and that's our responsibility. 
But it's not our responsibility to save the whole world. We're supposed to do our part and trust that he's going to do his part. He is more concerned about people in China than I am. He's a loving God. He's more concerned about people in Europe than I am. He's more concerned about people in the most remote parts of the world than I am. And his scripture tells us that he's put him there for, in that place so that they might reach out for him. And just like the man in China who found himself weeping at an old age, finally hearing the name of Jesus, is the assurance that I have that God is in the business of saving the world. And, it's not, and all I can do is listen for his voice and try to help that journey. So this last scripture I want to give you is Psalms 23. And I want us to read this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sometimes we read this scripture and we think it's all about us. I lack nothing. Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He likes me. And it's all about like what he, you know, I lie down by green pastures and it's so peaceful. But we, we put the emphasis on us and not on who he is. Let's read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's all about who he is. Because he's a good shepherd, I lack nothing in my life. I don't lack the peace. I don't lack the provision. I don't lack the confidence. Why? Because he's my shepherd. I'm confident in him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There are times in your life, there's times in my life, he makes me like I have a choice. I'm a sheep. No, 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 Brian, you just stay down. You're in the green pasture right now. It's not time to go frolic among the flowers. Lay down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He's so concerned about me. He's so concerned about my mental health. He's so concerned about my family. He's so concerned about my purpose. Sometimes he says, Brian, lay down. Because you're trying to run yourself ragged. And you need to lay down in this green pasture. Lay down. I'm your shepherd. He does that. He says he refreshes my soul. No, no. He leads me beside quiet waters. Notice this. Quiet waters. Why, why is quiet waters important? Because the moment the sheep get in, the rapid water is trying to drink. Oh, it's over. The, the whole flock's down the river and everybody's... No, no, no. He leads you by quiet waters. He knows where you need to go to refresh you. Why am I in this service this morning? Ah, he's leading you some, by some quiet waters this morning. Oh, man. Why, am I, why did I find myself in this group of people that are Bible-believing? And I'm, Oh, he's leading you some quiet waters where you can be refreshed. Why am I walking through that? He's leading you through some quiet waters. He's refreshing your soul today. It's all about him, remember. He's so concerned with the sheep. He's a good shepherd. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. No, 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 don't go that way. Some of us, you know, some of you like in this room, like I've done this in my life. It's like, well, God, what do you want me to do next? You take a step, as pastor said, and you're like, eh, no, that's not, that's not what he wants me to do. I can tell. He's guided me. He guides you down the right path. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's all about who he is. 
I don't have to stand in fear. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about how, where my kids going to make it in life and how are they going to do and oh my gosh and, and my cholesterol high and all that weird stuff you can start thinking about. I know that's important, Dr. Heather. But if it consumes you, it's all of a sudden all you think about. It's, it's an issue. Stand. Let him refresh your soul. He's got you. He's your shepherd. I'm speaking to myself. Even though I walk through the valley, I will feel near evil, for you are with me. You're a rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in, my, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house. It's all about how good the shepherd is. He's so concerned about us. He's so into every detail of our lives that he's, he's not that far off. And he's put us in a place and time and space today to hopefully we reach out for him. Because each one of us have this void in our lives that's just like, oh, there's more to life than this, what I see. There's got to be more to life than this. Great Albert Einstein, uh, after he heard about Hubble's telescope, Hubble's telescope, Hubble was actually observing the first galaxy other than ours that was discovered, the Jeromina galaxy. When Einstein heard about this, he went to go observe it himself because there is this... <laughs> there was... It's not that. I don't know why I'm crying. Okay. But when you observe that galaxy, there's red light that it comes back more red. And so what that indicates in science is that that galaxy is moving away from you. Why is that important? Well, if something's expanding, if you try to go back in time, what's well, you go back to a point where it's, it has to come back to a point, right? If it's expanding, think of a balloon. If I blow up a balloon, boom, 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 boom. Well... If you want to go back in time, it has to get smaller, smaller, smaller. That's what the light revealed, is that the universe is expanding. I think this is a significance for me because we've always been taught about Big Bang Theory. At one point in the world, at one point in time, God spoke life into existence. And the universe, and there's a scripture that talks about how this, that the galaxies were stretched by his hands. It's beautiful to me. Because I believe God spoke into existence when he spoke, boom, the universe expands. And Einstein says, after he observed that light, he says, now I understand the significance of a beginning. And if there's a beginning, there has to be something outside of matter, supernatural, that begins it. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're lacking that confidence that God actually is out there, Man, no. He spoke you into existence. He's put you on this planet for a time and space just like this. For a reason, for a purpose. And you're not in that boardroom and you're not in that job for no reason. You're not just in this family for no reason. You haven't become a father for no reason. You're not a mother for no reason. No, he spoke you into existence because he wants a relationship with you. And if we can just gain some confidence in that, knowing what he's put us here to do, knowing what he's called us to do, then I can live life like what he says. I come to give you some life and some of you aren't even living your life because you're trying to be good and it's wearing you down and in your own goodness, you're falling short and you're mistaking the whole purpose of what I've come. Jesus has come to give you life. 
So have some confidence. And so when I read that about God speaking, about Einstein even revealing that the importance of it, that's, it just it validates to me like, oh my gosh, a science is just proving what God has already created. I don't believe that science and, and God are at conflict. No, no, no. I believe that science is the observation of what we can see around us. And so all of a sudden, when Einstein says, I understand the beginning, oh my gosh, I'm like, God, yes, there is a beginning. And the ultimate claim, when Jesus made the ultimate claim that he said, I am, before, before Abraham was, I am. What is the ultimate validation that Jesus actually was who he says he was? The fact that God raised him from life, from dead to life. That validated every claim because every person before that said they were something, but they were never raised to life again. And it is accounted over 200 people approximately saw Jesus after his death and recorded it. So the ultimate vindication and validation of who Jesus said he was, was the fact that Jesus took him off a cross. God took him off a cross, allowed him to take our punishment. And he's given us new life because he raised him from the dead, something that no one else has ever done. And as pastor said last week in the word, well, how do we know what the word? Yeah, yeah, everything's based on the word. Well, the word is actually the most validated historical, docu historical document that exists today. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you're at with your belief. I don't know where you're at with these hard questions. I don't know how your thinking is, but I know that Jesus is the way. God spoke us into existence sometime in period. And then he sent his son to reconcile our sinful nature. And he willingly came, died on a cross for you and I. So that way we could have not good lives, not so I could act better. No, so I could become alive in him. And so when I meet the person of Jesus, life becomes more clear to me. Life becomes more vivid. I see how he wants me to live. I see how he wants me to, to operate. And it's not out of my own goodness, it's out of who he is. So I stand confidently on this stage looking at you today, preaching something that I know 100% within my belief, within my experience with him, within my knowledge of the scripture, this makes sense to me. Now you need to go make it sense for yourself. Get into this word. Get into, get into his presence. Come meet him at the altar. Lay your life down because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that he will pick you up, pull you in, make you new. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. So right now, I don't know where you're at, but if you're in this place and you've never said, man, I want to get to know that Savior Jesus. Never made that turn the lights down for a moment just for if that's you in this place and you don't have to you know do this whole big hand raise but if that's you just give me just give me a little wave I can see you guys where you're at if that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus in this moment you don't want to wait another day you want to say hey I, I want to know this guy Jesus the Savior of the world I want that personal experience with him if that's you just wave at me right now as the band begins to play a few of you upstairs so what we're going to do right now is there's a few hands that were waved. And what else do you just go ahead and stand to our feet? And uh, we're going to say this prayer. And, and if maybe you didn't raise your hand or maybe you didn't wave, but you're kind of like, I'm a little shy. Okay, well, you can still say this prayer. The Bible tells us in Romans that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. And so today all we have to do is say a prayer. It goes like this. Say it with me. God, 
We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and died on a cross for me and took my sin upon himself and buried in the grave. We thank you that he came back to life and he's coming one day to rescue me. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate that today. Amen. The only other thing I want to do today is if maybe you've had this misunderstanding of a good shepherd, maybe you're in this place and you're kind of doubting, maybe doubting God and finding yourself in places where all these questions have been leading you away from God because you've been surrounding yourself with people that ain't pushing you in your faith. They're actually pulling, you're like sheep, you've gone astray. And you're here this morning going, well, how do I, how do I correct that? How do I get back in alignment? All it is is coming and saying, God, I put things above you. And I'm here today. I want to lay these things at your altars. I'm carrying these heavy loads. And God, I trust you that if I, if I, if I submit these things to you, if I submit my life to you today, that you'll help me live this life that you talk about. You'll give me life that, I, that, that, that brings clarity to why I'm here, brings clarity to my purpose. I want that, Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning. All you have to do is say, yes, God, I want that for my life today. And then begin to tell God what are you leaving here what are you not taking away from this place and leave it at the altar today so as they sing this song out begin to say that prayer to God God we're here in this place we don't understand everything but God we trust in you because you're God you're God alone and your ways are higher than our ways God and Lord we stand on the promises of your word that, that, that reveals to us that Jesus is our hope and our source of life that we stand in his salvation and his work on the cross so that we can face our life confidently knowing God it's not in our righteousness, but in his righteousness alone. So God, we lay everything down at this altar today, God, to give you praise, to give you honor, to give you glory, because we know you are good. You're the good shepherd this morning, God. We love you. We sing it out.